Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today, before we get to our interview with Matt Chasnow, the play-by-play voice for the Cougars, I have a couple thoughts on the Pac-12 canceling or postponing all fall activities, athletic competition, possibly practice, and all of that good stuff for athletes. One, this does suck. This will mess with tons of players, eligibility, draft, all of that potential coming back for a fifth year or a sixth year. Then the city of Pullman does not want people coming back because they do not have the hospital capabilities as other big cities do. But they also need the commerce for sports. And set, and lastly, this can't be done without a bubble. Major League Baseball proved it. They were paying their professional athletes not to break protocol. You know what happened? Three players broke protocol in the Cleveland Indians, Marlins, and Cardinals. And now all three of those organizations, especially the Cardinals, are facing extreme outbreaks. Now imagine if you did this to college students, it just doesn't work. Please keep in mind that this interview was conducted before the Pac-12 and Big Ten made their official announcements about postponing all fall athletic events. Please enjoy the interview. Go Cougs. Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today we have a special guest. We have Matt Chasnow, the voice of the Cougars, football, basketball, and baseball. Thanks for coming on, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Walker. Thanks for having me. All right. So for the listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you give us a 30-second elevator pitch about yourself? Okay. I broadcast football, men's hoops, baseball, coaches shows for those three sports and various other pieces of content for Washington State University's athletics programs. The big news of the week is the Dan Patrick scoop. Even though the Dan Patrick scoop turned out not to be true, what was your initial reaction to finding out the Big Ten canceled football? I think that we want everybody to be we want two things simultaneously. I think this is true for the country and I don't think anybody really knows the world and I don't think anybody really knows the right way to get there. So initial reaction, super bummed, but also everybody wants everybody to be healthy and safe and well, and we're all trying to figure out how to operate in the midst of a pandemic and whatever that means with medical professionals who don't don't know because this is new. So I think all cynicism of decision making and politics shelved. We want to move forward and have football and be safe at the same time, if that's possible. I think that's a good point. I think that's fair. What do you think that ramification has for the Pac-12 itself? Uh, the Big Ten's decision, yeah. or or because it looks well, like I they're think- going to cancel it. I think that all the power five leagues have influence over each other. You know, I think that they lean on each other and they're not, they're necessarily always in lockstep, you know, so they look at each other and they compete with each other and they sometimes compete together. Uh, And, and I think they're trying to figure out the best way to do that right now, kind of on the fly in the midst of this really weird time. SEC and specific schools like Iowa and Nebraska have said they want to play in the fall no matter what. Would you consider that mishmash of schools, if one of them became a national champion, do you think they'd be a valid national champion? I kind of love the debate. You know, that that used to actually be what college football was. There, There wasn't a definite national champion. Would they be a unanimous national champion? No, there's no way. I mean, they're, they're not even playing a full schedule and, but does it matter? I mean, cause like, if you go back to like 19, you know, the 1990s, there were, there were teams, multiple teams claiming national championships. 
or even in 2017, you had UCF claiming national champion anyway. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, it's a little different than the 90s right, example. But, I, I think UCF, I think UCF is awesome that year. I mean, those guys could really play. So yeah, I mean, who, who knows? I don't, I don't mean to, to swipe it aside dismissively. Uh, I think a better example is the Jason Campbell Auburn team that was in the SEC and didn't really get a chance at it. But if you go back, that was kind of a weird year. Um, I may be mistaken, but I think it helped create the BCS system via controversy and, and just a obvious attention and desire to know who the best team is. That, that's the, that's kind of like the point of sport is to win and compete, you know. We just have to remember that the big takeaway is this is of this season is we're playing sports in a pandemic. So whatever happens, happens and it's just not gonna be normal. And we just have to accept that. Yeah, I mean there definitely it needs to be a a an acceptance of like whatever we do this year is not going to be like last year, you know, exactly. that or or two years ago at this point. So it needs to be that that hurdle needs to be leapt, but I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I think as you and I are talking, they're they're having meetings on it right now. Yeah, hopefully we'll find out soon. Yeah. So how did you end up at WSU? Well, I was working, I was doing a bunch of national games for the same company that I work for now. And they needed a guy and they gave me a call. And it was really flattering and exciting and a no-brainer. And I knew all about Washington State and I'd worked with them some off air. That was a uh, that was a great day. That was um, 2015, summer of 2015. So would that be Luke Falk's first year or second year? Uh, let's see. Playing wise, it was Luke's second year. It was his first full year starting. So what goes into the prep as a play-by-play guy? A lot. And th- th- that's a huge part of the job. I'm at practice. I'm talking to coaches. That, that, that's the majority of the work is off air, really. And, and I use work loosely here. I mean, I love it. You know, it's not, it's not digging ditches, but it's, it's, I watch film. I talk to my analysts, talk to Alex Brink a lot and uh, Jess McIntyre. She knows what's going on and, and the broadcast team. And, and I have these big spotting boards that I use to, I like to handwrite. So I have the template printed out and then I handwrite the, the notes on there. It just helps me remember it. It's the way I, I studied that way too in college. And, uh, hand, when I hand wrote it, it would stick in my brain. So it's the whole week, you know, I have a, I, the way you split it up, offense, defense, and special teams, I, I'd say buried within that it's starter. You go through the depth chart, first string, second string, and then depth after that, which you can't really trust, to be honest, the depth charts that come out. So I, I, I find the film to be really useful. I'll break it up. You know, the, let's see, usually Sunday I take off, not always, but often. Monday, I'll create the template, print it out. Tuesday, go through offense, defense, special teams, write some notes. Wednesday, I like to watch film. This is my last year's schedule. Thursday, by Thursday, usually my boards are, are pretty filled out. And, and I'll have, I'd have the coaches show with Coach Leach. Now it'll be Coach Rolovich on Thursday nights. And then Friday, I'm either traveling or just looking other stuff up kind of reviewing it before the game Saturday, check beat reporters, confirm I haven't missed anything. Sometimes I have stuff they don't have, which is fine. And then, uh, and then when you get to the stadium, it's this whole other process. When you get there, I like to get there really early and you start to figure out who's really going to play and what's really going to happen. And we take all that information 
and aggregate it and put it on the broadcast on Saturday. So I'm not tweeting during the week. That's, that's not my job to leak info and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, it's a very different role than for instance, Theo Lawson. A lot of my process is really, it's just taking all this info, aggregating it, bottling it up, and then putting out a great broadcast on Saturday. I mean, you do a great job. You're one of my favorite broadcasters just in general. Well, I appreciate that. But what kind of film do you watch? Do you watch like the last week's game or just what film? Yeah, I really like to watch the most recent game because you can tell who was playing. And I I was lucky enough to have access to the the 22 film that the coaches would use in their film room. and, And I would take an hour or two and look at the opponent's game from the previous week. And you get a sense of who really has been playing in what positions. And then if there were any formation wrinkles, like for instance, if we were to flip it and someone was kind of scouting Washington state, they may look the week before, see which wide receivers were in. Cause we had like 14 guys that could catch yeah. balls where we were really hard to prep for. So I, they, they would see, you know, okay, they're going a lot of four across or oh, they get, they're going a lot of three on the left, one on the right, something like that. And the way I watch film is completely different than a coach. And frankly, way more rudimentary. I'm looking for, for me, it's player recognition. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to look at someone else's scheme and play chess. I'm just trying to see which guys are where. So that when somebody's doing 70 down the highway or wants to listen instead of instead of hearing the, the national guy, they want to hear Brinker and, and myself, which we love. They know that, that we know really what's going on and we're credible to know what the teams in our league are doing. And I, I found that to be the best way to do it. I think that's always best. You have to, I agree with you. I think that's a great way to do it. I think the little extra bit from usually the local guy makes them stand out above from the national guy. I always turn off the national guy on any broadcast. Cause I think they're just they're very basic and they don't really say much like, Oh, the wide receiver, the big name wide receiver is really good. That's all they talk about. Like one player. <laughs> I think the local guy always has a better job. That's I often, I mean, I'm, I live, with the team. It's my, it's my whole life, you know, and it's different. It's a different job in that way. And, um, and often the national guys know more about like Illinois, you know, or, or Syracuse or West Virginia because they've seen them and they've been there and, and they have a different perspective. And, and I think it being national, it's important to recognize that they are doing the broadcast for, you know, rural South Carolina. Sure. And, and I don't think rural South Carolinians, to, to be honest, the way they watch football, I don't know that they really care about Renard Bell's story as much as Cougs care about. And I don't mean to pick on Renard, any, any player, you know, they, they're not, they, they, they just want the basics. They want the, the surface level stuff, unless something's really compelling, but really they just, Coug fans want to know all about Brandon Arcanado. Wait, wait a minute. Who is this kid? Where did he come from? What's the story here? And, and I don't know that, you know, folks in New York City are as concerned. I guess that's a fair point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Are play-by-play guys superstitious? Like, do you have a pregame meal you eat, something you yeah. I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, just on a personal level. However, I have a healthy paranoia about needing to go to the bathroom during broadcasts. I don't eat much during game days. If I have a night kick, I'll eat breakfast and that's, that's it till after. And if I have a noon kick, I won't eat. And I will, I will, I'll skip, I'll skip meals for the day. Cause I just, I can't have to, you know, not that I have some like 
overactive bladder or, you know, uh, anything. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not like I have some like issue. I just, I know I can't, if third quarter, if I have the urge, that's a problem. So I skipped that. Okay. So you just, as a broadcaster, I've always wanted this. So you just can't, like, you don't just wait till the commercials to go. You have to, you just can't leave. At halftime I can go. And then, uh, you know, I snack, like I'll have like, you know, we have like a bunch of snacks in the booth to, to keep the energy levels up. And at halftime, if I'm starving, I'll eat, there's like, there's food. Sometimes I'll eat a little bit before kick. If it just depends on how I feel, right. but I don't have big meals. I get, I get tired and you know, I, I don't feel good usually. Sure. Do you view the other announcer, like kind of like as a competition, like it's your goal to be better in a way, like just, there's a little rivalry do you guys ever have. Not really. I mean, we're, we're all, it's all kind of friendly, friendly competition. Well, it's so subjective. I mean, how would you ever judge if, you know, that's, it's purely opinion. Like, and I love that about this. I mean, there's, there's an artistic, a large artistic element to it in terms of how it's enjoyed and consumed. So there's no score and there's no way to define objectively if, if one guy's better. I mean, there are fundamentals to this. There, there are things we are all trying to do to universally there are rights and wrongs and there are some guys who do those better than others. And there are some guys who wipe those rules aside and sound so good that you just can't help but love them. And I think that I leave it totally up to, I mean, I have my own opinions on who's good and who's bad. And I think we'd be lying if, if we all didn't have you know, guys who do this, didn't have a sense of who they thought was really good. Maybe who they steal things from, who they mimic, who they choose not to all those things. But in terms of like a direct, like, competition. I think that's probably a mischaracterization. So on the road, where's your favorite place to call in the Pac-12? Well, that's a, that's a good question. There's two ways to answer that. One is atmosphere and the other is booth location. So super selfishly places that have terrible sight lines drive me crazy. They're so hard. The Rose Bowl is the worst. Arizona State's probably the second worst in terms of, and then the, and then Husky Stadium's probably third. They're just, they're really hard. You're really far, you're really high and you're, you're just not in a great spot. Utah's awesome. Colorado's great. The best out, the best is Martin stadium. Objectively, your sight lines are incredible. You're really low. Reeser's awesome in terms of sight lines. The where? Corvallis, Reeser stadium. Autzen, you're, you're kind of in the corner. You're a little bit, you're a little bit removed from the, you're above the bowl. So the far corner of the action for the road radio guy, you're, you're, you're kind of leaning out of the booth to, to really see what's going on. The Coliseum, I was in a temporary booth. I wasn't in the permanent booth. So hard for me to judge. I think the Coliseum is so special. It's one of the, the real historic venues. Well, like I think the Coliseum is important for America. I think the Coliseum is an historical building. The, the Olympic torch, the whole thing, it's awesome. Stanford's great. The atmosphere is the worst in the league, but the sight lines are great. And, uh, and Cal, oh, Cal's really good. Cal's booth view is phenomenal. You, you can't beat it. Cal and Martin State, Berkeley and Pullman are the two best sight lines in the pack. And I think I just rolled through the whole league. I think that's everybody. Hey, it works. That was interesting. I didn't know a lot about that, so it's cool. So do you know where you're going to be calling games this year? If, no. If they just, you know? <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> no. So does crowd matter as an announcer? Yes. Huge, huge, everything. Crowd is everything. And, and the crowd's like a, the crowd is this 
all important element that you, you use that you time. If you're, if you're really doing your job, right, you're on, on the play, you've timed it right. So that the crowd comes up underneath you at the right time. So it's, it's everything. And I'll pause and wait, let the crowd come up. I'm constantly aware of the audio of the crowd. Absolutely. I have to ask you about this because it's one of, I would say one of the most famous Washington state football games. What was it like to call the Boise state game? Uh, It was special. I mean, those moments are special. You can tell when you're in them that they are historic for the program. And, and then, you know, it was different in retrospect because of Tyler and, and that that's obviously a retrospective. And in the moment that was a story on the field and it became something much larger, but in terms of the game itself, you knew those were going to be at, right after the game and during the game, if the Cougars won, you could tell that was a moment Palura would never forget. Hilinski would never forget. Jamal Morrow would never forget. Dylan Sherman would never forget. He recovered the fumble. All, all, all those kids were in, in the midst of something really special. And Boise's local and, and they're, the, they're a nationally relevant group of five school. And they're, they're, they and UCF and at various times, you know, like Houston Cougars, all these, all these schools have, have kind of popped up and, and uh, they're only six hours drive and they're in, the, they're in a neighboring state. So there's something to that too. It's fun. So everything just kind of fell in place. Oh yeah, you could, you could feel it when Cozart threw that pick to Pelour. You could feel like, no, this might really happen here. It was a great call. It was amazing. Everything about that game was just stunning. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really, really great. So I have a couple more questions. Sure. So you didn't go to either school in UW or WSU. So how do you get excited for the Apple Cup? Oh, it's pretty easy. (laughs) This is a place. It's a different, you know, my relationship with Washington State is... With no commentary, I mean, I know what it's like to be a student because I was a student at Syracuse and I feel much closer to Washington State than I do Syracuse. Oh, really? Oh, I, I you could ask people I'm with. I, I don't I don't really know what Syracuse is doing, if I'm being totally honest. I, I, I wish them well and I had a great academic experience, but my whole life is Washington State. I, I've now been the Cougar broadcaster for what this will be now my sixth year. It's longer than I was at Syracuse. Uh, I live this. It supports my family. It is, I lived in Poland for three and a half years, three plus years. Uh, loved it. You know, moved up to Spokane because my wife got a, a really good job. And and so we we make it, I can make it work. But I mean, I, I love the Cougs. I love the people. I love the, the way the fans are. I love the community. I love, I love everything about it. I love my job. I love this. I love the whole, the way that I can essentially be a a vehicle of a storyteller and and help communicate what's going on with the program to fans. And and so to, to get up for the Apple cup is, you know, it's, it's as infectious for, for everybody else as it is for, for you, you know, for, for anybody. And, and and I don't mean to speak for you, but you know, you, 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 my job is to be biased. Oh, okay. And it's, and it's very easy to be biased. Yeah. I I'm all for the Apple cup. I want to see the Huskies lose every time. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I tell the stories for Coug fans, you know, and I think that there's a fine line. I'm, I'm not, I'm not always a cheerleader, but I am aware of my audience and that there's a big difference. I think that's smart. I think the nuance is key. Yeah. So do you be down for a quick little speed round of questions? Just rapid fire. Sure. Headphones or earphones? Headphones for broadcast earphones for music. Walk or drive to work. Drive. Walk, walk if I, yeah. I used to walk in Pullman. That's fair. 
Ferdinand's or Cougar Gold? Oh, gosh. Cougar Gold. Cougar Gold. Okay. What do you get? What type of cheese? Oh, the classic. Uh, just not a huge dessert guy. So that, that's where that comes from. Cougar Gold's like all time. Oh, okay. Well, but Ferdinand's is amazing too. Ferdinand's is great. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Oh, waffles. Favorite nah, place? pancakes. <laughs> okay. Favorite place to eat in Pullman? South Fork. South Fork. That is a popular answer. Everyone has said South Fork. Great spot. I have yet to go. But you go. There Jim Harbour, great owner. Shout out to Jim. Great guy. Shout out, Jim. All right. Those are all my questions. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Walker. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Thanks. I love Walker, but he looked like he was 18 or 19. He looked like a young guy. Ben, you should have done this guy right. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want me to do here? I I get him a prostitute? What do you